for such a time as this. And there's a lot of chaos uh, in the world. And uh, I know at the majority, if not all of the campuses, we've been praying for the Ukraine-Russian situation and uh, in the services. And um, you know, we've been kind of looking at how, um, I think everyone's to a degree looked at how we've got the Holy Spirit and uh, uh, what that means and uh, how that's part of the solution to whatever's going on right now. If you kind of just piece all the, the pieces of the puzzle together. But tonight, uh, I want to kind of stir you up a bit, but also just introduce what's going to happen tomorrow. And that is, under the theme of for such a time as this, um, there's a couple things that I think we need to focus on. And that is purpose, it's passion, or passion can be like from your heart, your zeal, your, your enthusiasm. Some of you need some of that, and that's why you're here. We're so glad that you're here. And so we're hoping that your passion and your zeal and your enthusiasm for the Lord and the things of the, the kingdom will grow. And then we've got power. And we've got power. We've got access to the Spirit. So we want to be able to, to, to learn how to step out in that more. And what is that? But, you know, um, I want to start off with just the story of Esther. You know, there's, there's a Persian king who chooses Esther to be uh, uh, his, his queen or his new wife. Esther is a Jew and uh, he chooses her to be queen after he becomes displeased with his current wife. Okay, so he's, imagine that. He's displeased with his wife, so he's choosing a new one. He chooses Esther. And uh, Esther has like, an older cousin called Mordecai. He's more like an uncle to her. And, uh, or more like a father. And he overhears a plot to assassinate the king. And so he reports this to Queen Esther. And he reports it to her and as a result saves the king's life. So then they get in favor with the king. Okay, then the king promotes a man named Haman to the highest position of his royal staff. The problem is, is that Haman hates the Jews. And the king's wife is a Jew, and so she remembers her, her, her Jewish people because uh, the, her, her cousin reminds her. And uh, Haman plans to eradicate the Jews. Okay, so he's, he's a bad man. Mordecai brings this bad news to the queen and pleads with her to go personally to the king to save their people, the Jewish nation. Okay, why was it so important? Because God's plan for salvation was to be carried through the Jewish nation. And so they needed to protect the Jewish nation. It wasn't God's plan for the Jewish nation. It was God's plan through the Jewish nation. Okay? And uh, Esther knows that in doing this and going to the law and going to the king, she, 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 she might be killed. Her life might be ended because the, the, law, the, the law says that you can't just approach the king like that without being summoned. She isn't being summoned, so she's just going in hope that her life will be spared and she can save her people. And um, uh, uh, she could get the death penalty for this unless the king extends the golden scepter towards her to allow her to live. So Mordecai encourages her and challenges her with these words. Esther chapter 4 verse 14 from the Message Bible. Esther 4.14 If you persist in staying silent at a time like this, help and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from someplace else. But for you and your family, you'll be wiped out. 
Who knows, maybe you were made queen for just such a time as this. And so the whole idea of for such a time as this comes into play where now God uses Esther or works through Esther to save the, His people. And I want to encourage us with the thought that we are born in this day and age and we're alive here where we are for such a time as this. Not just for what's going on in Europe, but also for what's going on here. The challenges that we face, whatever's going on, the challenges that people are facing around us, we're here to as their answer. You know, for God so loved the world that He sent Jesus, the answer to the world. Amen? And for God so loved wherever you live, wherever you're from, because you're now the answer to their problem. And that's not a, 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 a pressure. That, that, that's a, a calling. That's a high calling. That we can go into every sphere of society because maybe you're a, a businessman, maybe you're a lawyer, a teacher, whatever. Whatever your profession is, you're going into all the world with that profession, with that vehicle, to be able to carry hope. Eternal hope, not just temporary hope. So, we are the answer at this time. And, amen. amen. You know, the book of uh, Philippians kind of gives us great insight into the Christian life. And we felt as uh, uh, leaders that, that that was really appropriate for us in this uh, conference because you know, it, it kind of looks at how important our perspective is. It looks at how important our priorities are. And it also brings up our responsibilities. And the amazing thing with it is, is Paul's writing from prison in a difficult time, challenging circumstances, and he's writing to a persecuted church. So there's a lot of pressure, a lot of challenges, a lot of trials, and, uh, and yet it's probably the most hopeful, joyful book uh, that, that he wrote. And so during this weekend, we're going to be going through the book of Philippians. So tonight, if you want to, before you read, go to bed, you can read it. It's just four chapters. So you can imagine there's four sessions tomorrow <laughs> to get through the four chapters. We're not going verse by verse. We're just bringing out some main ideas to be able to encourage us with regards to uh, uh, living in such a time as this and living out our calling in such a time as this. As I was um, meditating on this and, and thinking about it, I came up with many amazing ideas <laughs> and many great thoughts about uh, what we could focus on together. And uh, I made some wonderful notes and it was uh, enjoyable and it, well, I did it of all places. I did it at Magamin in, in Wooster <laughs> today and uh, some of it yesterday. And I've been thinking about it the whole week. But um, it was amazing because uh, uh, there was five minutes between when I got out of my study this afternoon and I went to go and fetch my iPad and after I'd finished all the last preparations and by the time I'd sat down in my study again, I had a whole new message. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, I mean, the, the other message will definitely come out tomorrow somewhere in uh, someone's uh, sermon, I'm sure. But um, I really felt God just, just wanting to highlight something else in terms of us here, being here to change the world. Okay, so let's turn to, actually that's what I want to start off with. We can send this to you if you want, 
But I want to uh, just read out something to encourage you. So just give me a second while I find this. Documents, there we go. So, just, just listen to this for a moment. I am, I'm going to read it as if it says I am a woman or a man, okay? I'm, I know what I am. I'm reading it woman or man so that you can identify within it. <laughs> I am a precious woman or man of great value and worth because Jesus, the King of Kings, died and paid a great price for me. I am a royal daughter or son for I have a crown of glory and honor on my head, and I'm wearing Jesus' royal robes of righteousness. God accepts me and approves of me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. There is now no condemnation for me in Christ. Therefore, I accept myself and love who I am and the way I am made. Father, I am who you say I am. I am called by God. I was chosen by God before the foundations of the world to be set apart for Him. I am God's child. I am born again of the incorruptible seed of the living Word of God that endures forever. I am forgiven of all my sins and the blood of Jesus has washed away all my guilt and shame. I am a new creation in Christ. I am holy and blameless in God's sight even above reproach before Him in love. I am the righteousness of God, which means that I am approved, accepted, and in right relationship with Him. I have full access to the Father. And because I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, I live in His presence fearlessly, confidently, and boldly. I am blessed, and I am God's favorite. I am the apple of God's eye, and my name is inscribed on the palm of His hand. I am stamped with the seal of the Holy Spirit. I am established to the end. I am being changed into His image, and He who begun His good work in me will bring it to completion. I am God's workmanship, recreated in Christ for good works. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am complete in Him. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. God Himself lives in me. I have the mind of Christ. I am a joint heir with Christ, and He has qualified me to share in His inheritance. I am redeemed from the curse of the law, and the promise of the Spirit, the blessing of Abraham, is now mine. I am redeemed from the futile way of life inherited from the tradition of my forefathers, and I am purchased with the precious blood of Christ. I have been delivered from the control of the dominion of the devil and have been translated into God's kingdom of love. I am set free. I am dead to sin and alive with Christ. I am raised up with Christ and seated with Him in heavenly places. Because I am born of God, the evil one cannot touch me. I have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, and I am a partaker of His divine nature. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. 
I am firmly rooted, built up and established in my faith. And I have faith that can move mountains. Father, what can I do? What I can do what you say I can do. I am victorious, uh, a victorious overcomer, a mighty woman or man of valor, a champion overcoming warrior who possesses dignity and honor. I am more than a conqueror. All circumstances are under my feet. In all things, I gain a surpassing victory. And in all things, God leads me to triumph in Christ. Through my union with God, I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through whom, uh, Him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Everything I put my hand to prospers. I am the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. Because I believe in, lean on, trust and rely on God, I do the things that Jesus did and greater things than these will I do. For his spirit within me knows no limit. Therefore, I believe that all things are possible and limit not the Holy One within me. I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And so every place I go and in all that I do, I do in the power of the Spirit. I have power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, each and every one. And at my command, in the name of Jesus, demonic powers are cast out and all people are set free. I have authority over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt me. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. And the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing power of God is on the inside of me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Amen. So, yeah, that's a, a good mouthful. But when we, when, you know, I, I remember uh, years back when, when I, uh, before Grace Life, before I, I got a revelation of grace and all that, and struggling with a lot of different things and sitting with my, who I am in Christ and uh, reading it out every day, a couple times a day sometimes because I didn't believe it yet. And I was reading it out and, you know, every time I read it out and I heard it, it really, something rose up on the inside of me. And eventually, I started to believe it. You know, I didn't confess it to make it true. I confessed it to make me believe it. <laughs> because it was true. It's what God says about me. But so often, we're not, we're not listening to what God says about us. We're listening to what we think, what other people think. We're not, we're not investing ourselves into hearing what God's saying about us. And that's why we live the way that we do. You know, uh, 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 praying in tongues causes us to, to, to rise up in faith, and that mixed with a confession like this should blow your lid off. <laughs> Here's a, a, a cool thought. Like, if you think about praying in tongues, I mean, it's powerful. It, it's the Spirit praying through you. It's, um, uh, it builds your faith. It keeps you in the love of God. There's so much in it. And yet, for a lot of us, our lives reflect that we don't pray in tongues much. The lack of fruitfulness in our lives just points to the fact that we're not really uh, uh, tapping into the Spirit's power within us. 
And that's not condemnation. Take it as liberation. We, if we really believe these things that, that are read out now, then how, and we believe that, then how, we, we, we can't not affect someone's life. We cannot touch someone. We, we can't just live a normal life and be normal. If you read that out in the morning and you go out, you go, you're going to start to want to overflow towards people around you. And the spirit in you is going to be jumping out of you unless you just suppress them again. And that's not going to be a good idea. Amen. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. I want to read a couple of verses that we know well. But I think it's a good uh, reminder, especially for such a time as this. Matthew 28, verse 18. All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach or disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe, etc. There's a call to go. Okay? Now if you flip over a few pages to Mark, or where are we? Mark chapter 16. Verse 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's a call to go. There's a purpose that we've been given as believers. And this is what should be uh, 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 ringing in our hearts. Okay. Then you look at Acts 1.8. You know, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be witnesses in all the world. Okay. So, so we look at that. Then we see that there's a, 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 an empowering to do something significant in the world. Doesn't mean you're going to have a big work in the world. Doesn't mean you're going to have a reputation like Billy Graham. Millions will know you or whatever. But it means that you can do something significant. And impacting even just a handful of people who could be a handful could be significant. Amen? So, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Let me just get it over here. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. I want to read it from the New Living. It says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are Christ's ambassadors or representatives. We are representing Jesus. Even if you don't want to, you are. If you're a Christian, this is, what you, this is your life. You're an ambassador of Christ. And it says God is making His appeal through us. So it's like when we're ministering to someone, when we're reaching out to someone, God in you is reaching out through you. How awesome is that? You're not doing it alone. You're co-laboring with Him to be able to change, help change people's lives, to be able to cause an effect in their lives. You know, some of you are sitting there thinking, I'm not bold enough to be able to, 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 to live like that. I'm not bold enough to be able to share the gospel with someone. I'm not bold enough to, 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 to even encourage someone. You know, if you just read this, who I am in Christ, every day, after a while, no one's going to be able to shut you up. I'm pretty convinced of it. All you need to do is be convinced of this. Okay? And it may, may take some time. You don't have to force it. It'll overflow. But just go for it. So these verses all together are basically just saying that we're called to change the world. Every single one of us is called to be part of changing the world. The world needs some changing. Amen? 
<laughs> so, so we've got a good, we, we, we're in business. We've, we've got something to do and there's a need. You know, so supply and demand, there's a huge demand for it, even if they don't know it. We just need to convince them that they need some changing. Okay? The question is, is really for us, do we want to be part of God's plan or not? Yeah, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. It didn't say first seek God's kingdom, you know, by like going to church on a, the first day of the week, for example, Sunday, and then everything else gets added on, like number two, number three, number four. It's saying in everything and priority in everything is God's kingdom first. So that means God's kingdom first in your family. God's kingdom first in your decisions. God's kingdom first in your finances. God's kingdom first in whatever you're doing. God's kingdom first in a funeral. One of the biggest tragedies that, that I experienced in my life was doing a funeral for a, a Christian family that didn't want an altar call or the gospel kind of opportunity at, at the funeral. Why? Because we shouldn't be playing on people's emotions. I was like, of course you should, especially at a funeral. <laughs> it's a golden opportunity. Any salesperson will tell you that. What a tragedy. That you wouldn't want people to have an opportunity to have their heartstrings pulled. You know, I would question whether their, their decision to receive Christ was just intellectual then. Because that's not going to cut it. It should tug at your heartstrings. You want someone to cry. I mean, that's the best type of conversion. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so, you know, we've we, we got to look at it. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. What did God intend with salvation? And I'm sure all the, the campuses have heard this to some degree or another. God's desire was to live in man. To put his spirit in man. That's what uh, he aimed for. That was the desire. That was the purpose of uh, Calvary all the way through. You know, the, it didn't stop at Calvary. It went to the resurrection. It didn't stop at the resurrection. It went to Pentecost. Okay? And so we see that the full plan of God was, I want to have my address in you. And so now as believers, we are his address. Okay? And uh, 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 the only problem is, is there's so many people who don't believe it. All we need, all God is looking for is for someone to believe it. Amen. Amen. When we believe it, then I think all of a sudden your, your, your um, fruitfulness just goes through the roof. So Romans chapter 8, verse 19. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Now, I don't like that translation. You're living. Look at, the, look at the King James. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. See, New Living kind of gives the idea that God's going to push your buttons. But uh, King James gives the idea that you're going to start to manifest as a child of God. And that's the idea that the verse is trying to convey. Isn't that you're waiting for God to, to light you up? <laughs> he's already put the, the lighting up ability in you. Now, He's waiting for you to push your buttons. 
He's waiting for you to stir yourself up. Okay? And it says here that all of creation is waiting. For what? The manifestation of the sons of God. Now let's think about it. Because it's unfortunate that a lot of children of God are manifesting like the devil. Nobody here, obviously. They didn't come tonight. They're online. No, we love you guys online. The, 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 yeah, and so you've got Christians manifesting like the enemy. What I mean by that is that just the fruitfulness coming out of them is just not the fruitfulness that we should be aiming for. The fruitfulness that we should be having. You know, if, yeah, just think about the fruit of the Spirit for a moment. Love. That should be a distinguishing, according to Scripture, a distinguishing mark for each of us as Christians. And if we are grounded in God, then love will be a natural byproduct. People should encounter love when they encounter you. Okay, joy. We should be the happiest people on earth. Yeah, you should be the happiest person you know. Yeah, if you're not, if unbelievers are happier than you, then you've got a bad testimony. Okay? Now, there's one or two things which are necessary for us to be able to get to this place of manifesting His fruit, manifesting His power, manifesting love, being like Jesus. Okay? It's called maturity. My, my, my kids don't, didn't start off manifesting like humans from day one. Okay, they did, maybe little humans. But, you know, they didn't, they sometimes acted like dogs. You've heard some of my stories, you know, barking and stuff like that and whatnot. Now, now like, it doesn't mean that they're animals. It just means they're acting like animals. And yet people get born again, and yet they still, people look at them and go, you're still a sinner. Why? Because they're still sinning, obviously. But there's an identity crisis here. They, they, they may be acting like a dog, but their nature didn't change to a dog. Because their nature is human. Okay? Didn't matter if, if I had my, my, my William on a leash. Didn't make him a dog. And I did have him on a leash. It, it didn't matter if he barked like a dog. It didn't make him a dog. It didn't ma matter if he had little dog ears. Attached on an Alice band or whatever, you know, to, to, on the top. It didn't make him a dog. Didn't matter if we stuck a tail on him. Didn't make him a dog. Didn't matter how much he acted like a dog, he was still a human. When you get born again, your nature changes from sinner to saint. You were a sinner. You got saved by grace. Now you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And all those things that are read out are not what you're trying to become. It's who you are. And if you start to believe that, you'll start to live like that more. The problem is, we're more familiar with who we were than who we are. We're not, we're not listening to the right voice. So we need to grow up. How do we grow up? We grow up by hearing the right voice. By knowing the right voice. By, by what are we focusing on? Okay? Romans chapter 8 verse 19 says God's desire and all of creation's desire for us to live like Jesus. To manifest the fruit and the power of God. That's, that's, that's God's desire for us. That's the, the, the world's desire, the earth. 
That's the earth's desire for us as children of God, that we'd live like it. Okay? One of the keys to living like Acts chapter 8 verse 19 is Acts chapter 1, oh sorry, Romans chapter 1 verse 8. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If you don't know that you're not condemned, you'll never live like Jesus wants you to. You'll never live like a child of God. If you feel condemned, you're just going to live like a, a hermit. You're going to live like someone who's battered up. You're going to live with no fruitfulness. Some fruitfulness maybe, but you're not going to live the way that you could live. You're not going to be satisfied with your life. You're, never, you're going to be on a hamster wheel of performance, never to get off of it. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have rest. You're not going to be in true faith ever because true faith is a place of rest. And so you're just going to have a tired life, a very tired life. God's desire for you is that you would start to live like Him in a place of rest. Live like Him, not to try and uh, 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 attempt to live like Him, but it's just a natural overflow. So it starts with, we need to realize there's no condemnation. And then if you go through Romans chapter 8, there's a bunch of other things, but it's basically just maturity. And we're going to look at one or two of the other things. But the question is, what are you conscious of? What are you conscious of? What are you more aware of? Are you more focused in on your past and your struggles that you have now? Or are you more focused on all those things I read about you, that, that God thinks about you? Because here's the thing, we are ambassadors of Christ, even if we're in prison, unjustly. That's what Paul, Paul's basically writing Philippians and from prison. And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because you can. Because you're a Christian. But you can only rejoice in the Lord in difficult circumstances if you've got the right attitude. If you've got the right focus. Okay? Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 6. For to be kindly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay? Some translations will say, um, it differently where are we verse 6 so letting your sinful nature the new living uh, is trying here hard it says so letting your sinful nature I like the new living but you know so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death your sinful nature is dead so it can't control your mind okay but if you but what this is saying is to be carnally minded is death carnal mindedness we should know by now is just being dominated by sense knowledge not being dominated by word being dominated by sense if you're being dominated by your senses what you see hear taste smell feel you're senseless <laughs> we should be dominated by the word of god by the spirit not by our senses. Because to be dominated by our senses is death. We need to be dominated by the, uh, by, be spiritually minded, which is life and peace. Okay, It doesn't say it tends towards life and peace. It says it is life and peace. So we need to ask ourselves, what is spiritual mindedness? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. 
If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things uh, on earth. This is walking in the Spirit. Setting your affections, setting your heart on the things above, on the things of God, on, 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 on these realities. Uh, the Passion puts it, uh, Colossians 3, 2, and says, Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. So, if you want to be victorious in the Christian life, here's some, some good advice for you. Stop taking yourself seriously. Stop taking your feelings seriously. Take the who I am in Christ sheets, you know, the, the, all those things that I read out, and like read through that, meditate on that until you know nothing else. Until that becomes your default. And then that's all that you know. Brainwash yourself. <laughs> it's called mind renewal. Renew your mind so that you believe what God believes about you and you don't believe what you believe about you or what someone's told you you should believe about you. So when we're spiritually minded like that, we experience life and we experience peace. And that's what we want. Amen? Amen. So, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if we're focused in on these spiritual realities and our consciousness is what the Spirit uh, uh, is saying, what the Spirit has said about us, we will start to live like it. We will start to manifest as children of God. But we need to be more conscious of the Spirit within than anything else if we want to impact the world. If you want to impact the world, if you want to make a difference in this world, if you want to, to, to be influential in this world for, for the Lord, then you have to make sure that you're not conscious of yourself. You're conscious of Christ. Amen. A great verse to go with that. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Now let me pause there. A message that really impacted me that I heard back in 2003 was called Christ Esteem. And it changed everything for me because up until that point I was really trying to get a positive self-esteem. Stop it if you're trying that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not what we should have. In and of yourself there's probably not very much to be positive about if you evaluate yourself according to the Bible. It's true. We, we, all, we either judge ourselves too harshly or we judge ourselves too leniently. But when we come to the Word, and if we were to judge ourselves, not, not under grace, but under law, then we'd all be miserable. We'd all be like, wow, woe is me. But thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God that we've placed our faith in Christ and now we are not that wretched, whatever we were, sinner. Now we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so we have every reason to feel good. No, 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 no. We have every reason to be positive because why? Because of Christ's esteem. 
not self-esteem. Look at it. Um, um, what's it called? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. How can you be positive if you're dead? <laughs> you're dead. You want to make a difference in the world, you've got to realize how dead you are. You've got to realize that it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The Spirit of God in you makes all the difference. That's where your ability comes from. It doesn't come because you're trying hard. We've got to become more familiar with who we are in Christ than who we are in the flesh. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, we, th th this is talking about a Christ esteem, not a, a self esteem. Psychology will tell you you need a positive self esteem. You know, I'm telling you, biblically, you need a positive Christ esteem. <laughs> It's not about you, it's about Christ in you. And I've had people like, oh, but what about me? What about my personality? What about this and what about that? Thank God that Christ lives in you. <laughs> Amen? We all need it to some degree. Verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Yet we're frustrating the grace of God Another way to say it is you're setting aside the grace of God. You're choking the grace of God if we're trying to be right with God by what we do. Don't try and be right by what you do. Don't try and make your calling by what you do. Don't try and make your impact in the world by what you do. Make it by Christ in you. Okay? He's made you right. Let's look at the, the passion in verse 20. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of His cross crucified me with Him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives His life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loved me so much that He gave Himself for me and dispenses His life into mine you need to focus in on christ in you and not focus in on who you are and that's one of the first steps to towards uh, making a difference in the world towards making an impact to 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 living for jesus because as long as you're holding on to your life what did jesus say whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it if we're trying to hold things together, you're going to lose it. But if you just yielding to the Lord and saying, Father, here I am, a living sacrifice. What do you want with me? Then He can use you. Then He can work through you. Then He can make something big with your life. And it doesn't mean... Let, let's, let, 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 let me leave that for you. <laughs> yeah, no matter what the circumstances... That the world's going to give us. Because the world's, I'm sure that what we've experienced with COVID and lockdown 
And what, we, what we're seeing now with Russia and Ukraine, I'm sure that's not the half of it to come, in the years to come. I'm not a prophet of doom, I'm just saying. <laughs> Jesus said it would, would get darker and there would be war, rumors of wars and there would be wars and all sorts of things. So, you know, buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> you know, buckle up. It's, it's probably not going to be easy. And how are you going to endure persecution? How are you going to be able to, to, to live through difficult times? Christ in you. If you can't survive not finding a parking spot on Saturday morning at Somerset Mall, Tiger Valley, wherever you're from, then wait for persecution. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to help you see that sometimes the things that we are struggling with aren't actually worth struggling about. If you put it in comparison, I, 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 can't, I don't have the quote here ready. But I love this one quote that I read. It was amazing. I wish I could quote it to you now. <laughs> it was just about putting things in perspective. We're often fighting all these different things. And if you think the, like, like, uh, that the battle that you're facing right now is, is worse than what the Ukrainian people, for example, are going through, then you have no idea. Just put it in perspective. Paul's writing the book of Philippians from prison. He's writing to a persecuted church to encourage them, to thank them for their, their, their friendship and the, 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 the fellowship that they're sharing and the support that he's give, they're giving him financially. And he's saying, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, not rejoice in your circumstances because there's always a reason not to rejoice in circumstances. I'm sure every single one of us, I'm sure every one of us could find at least one bad circumstance in our lives right now that we could not rejoice about. But you can always find the, the, the Lord is with you. Christ in you, your hope of glory, is worth rejoicing no matter what. And when we focus in on that, we can even become an influencer in challenging times. Amen. That's God's aim for you. That even if you were in jail unjustly, you'd have a prison ministry. That's the truth. And even if you're in prison justly, <laughs> you would repent and have a ministry. <laughs> God works all things together for the good of those who love them. <laughs> Let's add that scripture there for you. No matter what the circumstances, our purpose continues. You can't switch off being an ambassador. No matter what the circumstances, we can live a life of passion and passion for the right things. There's lots to be said there. No matter what the circumstances, we can experience the power of the Spirit. So let me finish off with this um, poem. Only One Life by C.T. Studd. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon with its fleeting hour, will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. 
bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in His will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a deep, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you that you've given us so much. You've given us so, so much, Father. You've given yourself. And yet you still give, gave yourself to come and dwell inside of us. To never leave us, to never forsake us. To continually be available to empower us to live a victorious life to be able to live a life which influences others, a life of significance. We just thank you for what you've given for us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Paul said, just with your eyes closed, that Paul said that we should offer ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. It's, it's, it's offering ourselves as a, a living sacrifice, saying, yes, Lord, you know, what you want is what I want. It's so sad that you know, in the body of Christ, self has gripped even the pulpit. And you, 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 you'll find most messages that are popular are the ones that are just indulging in self. And that's never going to save the world. That's never going to bless the world. That's only going to hold the church back from fulfilling its purpose. Father, we just repent from, from being indulged in ourselves. We just repent and and turn to, uh, uh, choose to change our thinking from being self-absorbed and self-focused to focusing on you 
and your kingdom. We don't just want to sing about living for you, Father. We want to live for you. Father, this is where revival starts. This is, we know this is where it begins, is when we stop being babies who are just focused on our own needs, although you want to meet them, and we start to just say, Father, here I am. Send me. Here I am, Father, what do you want? And we start to grow up, and we start to mature, and we start to make choices that glorify you and that bless your heart. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Not because we feel like we're cornered and we, we have no other choice, but because it's our delight to delight your heart, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the privilege that we have of being called your sons and your daughters. Thank you that it's nothing that we could do. We just believe. Thank you that the more that we believe that, the more we start to manifest that. The more we focus in on that, the more we start to manifest that. We start to live like it. And so I thank you that this weekend, every single person in this meeting online and in person is going to have an encounter with truth that's going to transform their lives. And we're going to start to look more like you, Father. Live more like you. Thank you that a great fruitfulness is going to come out of this time together. And that fruitfulness is going to be one that, that impacts wherever we are with love, with joy, with peace, and all the fruit of the Spirit, and with the power of the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that we can trust you. And so just abandoning ourselves to your will and to your desires is safe. It's safe. We can trust you, Father. And thank you, Father, that when we look to you, instead of to the needs that we have, when we look to you, instead of all the issues that we're needing help with, I thank you that we find the answers that we need even though our focus has changed. I want to encourage you right now. You might have needs. You might have a, 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 a ministry need, healing, uh, freedom, whatever. But as you just focus your attention on Him, as you seek Him first, as you just uh, uh, get lost in focusing on Him, you'll find what you're needing. Thank you, Father, right now that as we just fix our eyes on you, the eyes of our heart, that we would be captivated and overwhelmed by your love. And thank you that that's going to bring so much fruitfulness, even personally, healing, freedom. Whatever else we need, Father. Thank you, Father, for a fruitfulness to come out of this weekend. In all of us, having an even like a greater heart for the lost, for those that are, are, are not within family, and that we would 
adopt the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost. The lost, the eternally lost, and then the lost children. To bring them back into a place of, of fellowship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you call us the answer to the world's problems. You said that we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world, we are your ambassadors. I thank you that even though we might not feel like it, that's how you see us. That you're growing us and helping us to, to step into this more and more and more, Father. Just feel like God's saying, the pressure's off, you don't have to perform. So don't, don't feel like this is pressure, it's, it's an invitation to purpose. It's an invitation to destiny, to living out your true identity in the marketplace, in your community, wherever you are. For God so loved the world that He sent you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we're not doing this alone, but we're co-laboring with you. Your Spirit within is enabling us to be able to live like you. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
enjoy your presence, get to just fellowship with you, fellowship with one another. Thank you, Father, for your desire that is just birthed within us, Father, your Holy Spirit. You being one with man, and Father, that your desire to reach the world, your, your heart, your yearning to, to see the world come to know you, come to salvation. That yearning is living on the inside of us, your Holy Spirit, just, just wanting to just bubble forth, just gush forth and, and touch the world with the love of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't need to labor and strive at this. Thank you, Jesus, Father. I just really had this picture that a bunch of us, you, you, you're so on fire, you, 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 you set a light right now, you just want to go out and, and reach the world, you just want to go out and love the world and just manifest Jesus to the world and that's amazing, that's awesome. But all of us have been at a place where man, we, we receive a good word and then the day after it just like, it just called, or a week later it just called. And I just really got this picture and, and God just really wants to minister this, this, this picture to us that that awkwardness that you feel at times to minister or to maybe step out. There's two things that God wants to minister. And I got this picture of, a, of Jesus dancing with us. And, and the problem often is we don't want Jesus to lead us. We often want to lead our own lives. And Jesus is inviting us to, to have the lead in the dance. And then secondly... You might be having Jesus lead you, but you, you're not close to Him. And by being far from Him, the dance is awkward. It's awkward, it's a, it's a challenge, it's a struggle. Like, the synergy is just off. And Jesus is inviting you to come close. And we know, spiritually speaking, we're as close as we'll ever be. One spirit, one with God. But in our minds and our hearts, and how we perceive things, as Shane ministered this evening, we need to come to see and come to draw close to Him in our hearts and in our minds and allow Him to lead in this dance. And this dance is going to be glorious. This will be the best dance of your life. You'll live the most fruitful life that you could have ever imagined. You'll walk in your purpose and your destiny with passion, with power, effortlessly in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're seeding this word on our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you're quickening this word in our hearts and on our minds. Father, so when we walk out these doors, Father, we will not forget this, this, this stirring that we experience. Father, we will rekindle the flame. We will stir this flame continually. In Jesus' mighty name, Father. And this weekend is going to be a life-changing, radical weekend for all of us. Every person online, every person here this evening and still coming tomorrow. Life-altering moments are happening in this weekend in Jesus' mighty name. And we receive, Father, we receive everything that you've got for us. Father, we yield to your Spirit. We choose to obey and surrender our lives to you, Father. In Jesus' name, we choose life. Yes, Lord.